You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. This is Jesse. In the future, when you shower at the uh, public pool before you get in, it will double as a sunscreen application. This is Randy. In the future, well... I just can't wait for the Roaring Twenties to come back. Eh, see? God, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. (sighs) <sighs> okay, it's happening. <laughs> uh, well, I got through most of it. This, and I was like, "Wait, how do I?" Put li- it in- listen, this this show has a, a long and storied tradition of terrible impressions. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> oh man! Wow! Welcome to the Grolics Podcast. See, <laughs> <laughs> episode. What is, epi- what is this episode? Episode number forty nine. All right. <laughs> 49. 40. 49ers. And we're like a gold rush up in here. It, it almost felt like you went uh, Morgan Freeman from Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> 49. I can't, I 49. can't do it. That was, the, that was the year that I can remember. 49, <laughs> the year I met Andy Dufresne. Dufresne. <laughs> Speaking of t- terrible impressions. Oh. <laughs> Hello, uh, old listeners, because we certainly lost any new ones that tuned in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to talk about, hey, 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 guys, we're going to, we're going to talk, we're doing our poll list this episode. <laughs> What's that? Well, our poll list, I'm glad you asked, Jesse. So, uh, we have a poll up on the website at growlixpodcast.com. You can vote on existing comic book suggestions or you can add your own suggestion. And, uh, every month, we go and we look at the one with the most votes. Uh, this is strange. And then uh, then we read it and we talk <laughs> about it a month later. <laughs> yeah. It's a poll list. And well, guess why, what? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Nah, it's a great it's a great way for you to influence the show and for us to read new things that we might not have read already um, or revisit things we've read in this case. Um, right. For you. Not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this this was all new old stuff. Yeah, this was all new old stuff for me. Kind of, it's very familiar. All new old stuff. That's part <laughs> oh, of what sure. surprised yeah, me about it. Yeah, because it's been yeah recycled and mm-hmm. renewed. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's the episode we're on the poll list episode. So that's what we're gonna do. I mean, do we do we have other? Um, not really. I mean, like, what's happening in July? Is there anything that we're totally blanking uh, on? Oh yeah, probably. I mean, at this point, Doctor Who will be over mm-hmm. until uh, j- until December, uh, but we'll be like hot off the heels of things like uh, Spider Man. Spider Man will have happened. Oh yeah, it's true. How about that Spider Man? <laughs> How about them Spider Mans? <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Whose you're... idea was that? Right. <laughs> oh, War of the Planet of the Apes. So that's another. Yeah, that'll have happened. Yeah. So. Me and Melanie can talk for uh, four years about how we haven't seen that yet, and then we'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, well, so War of the Planet of the Apes just happened, and guess what? Me and Melanie finally got around to uh, watching... <laughs> watching the, the last one. Watching yeah. the last one after many years of repeating ourselves on the podcast. You know, we haven't seen that yet, and I don't know why. Well, well what did you think of it? Uh, I, I mean, was it worth the wait? <laughs> I think there was a little bit of like hype happen where I don't know. I did like it. I liked it. Um, I'm, it didn't have James Franco, of course. Of course, it didn't. But well, on the on the home cam, like on the I know, and it was it? one of those things yeah. where it's like, oh, James Franco. Was- <laughs> We're like, oh, he just reminded me how this movie doesn't have James. No, Franco. It, that. <laughs> I think a lot of people would argue that that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But uh, <laughs> no, I I did enjoy it. I I liked it. Um, I'll say this: like on one hand, like it's kind, it was kind of predictable, but I don't know. It felt like a real movie as opposed to 
this is going to sound weird, but like there's a lot of modern movies, even ones that I'd like say are good, but big blockbusters where it's like, it's just kind of a ride. And even though this movie, you know, it had action and stuff, even though it was kind of predictable in certain aspects, it still, it felt like, it felt like a movie. Felt like an old school and, movie, if that makes any and sense. And that's why Gary Oldman was there. Because <laughs> it was a movie. That's a, that's one thing that surprised me is like, because he was used so much in the trailers, I expected, I thought he was like a main character or something. And not that he doesn't have a major role in the plot, but like, he's hardly in it. He's not in it that much. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I was really surprised by that. Actually, the whole city of men is not in it as much as I would expect, you know, like they really kind of focused on uh, the world, uh, the the ape side of things. Yeah. Which I think you kind of do in order to, uh, you know, make them more of the protagonist, I guess. Yeah, it's an interesting flip because, I mean, we you have villains, obviously, in this. You have kind of the expected villains like, you know, you you see it coming, but also like. On the human side, you kind of end up with um, somewhat villainous characters that you don't necessarily see coming. Yeah, it really does focus more on the apes and the ape society. And I thought that was interesting. And also, I was very confused because at first we did not have the subtitles turned on. And I was like, are we supposed to know what these these apes are sign languaging? And uh, <laughs> yep, you're supposed to. <laughs> we figured oh, wow. it out. We figured it out before too long. And we were like, oh, why aren't these on? These should be on. So uh you would think that would be a default. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I was a little confused at first, but we figured it out. It makes a lot more sense because at first I was like, oh, that's kind of bold. Like, they're going to have this whole thing with the apes and just not tell us what they're saying. <laughs> wait, are they Are they actually... The sign language is what, like, really, like, was, like, tipped me off. I was like, wait a second. We should probably know what this is saying. But, yeah. Yeah, because it wasn't that uh, how they kind of communicated in the first one. Yeah, yeah. Because Caesar can speak, but at first those other ones can't. I, I thought that was also interesting how, like, randomly, w- random apes would occasionally start just kind of saying a word. It feels like the kind of movie that would end up on on TV on the weekends for, like, years. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's it's something that I, I may not, like... Look forward to watching. You mean like the original Planet of the Apes? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and maybe that's what I mean by yeah. it. Like it feels like a movie because, uh, like it's not something I'm going to rush out to revisit. But if it's something that if I come across it, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll watch this again. So yeah, well, and that's that's interesting because I think uh, I think the first one is easier to rewatch. The one with James Franco and uh, John Lithgow and, uh-huh. you know, like the whole origin story kind of set up. That one is a little easier to watch, whereas this one is, uh, I would say, more classic Planet of the Apes. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. you're you're in that uh, post-apocalyptic world now. Like, civilization is kind of shut down. And I was surprised. Like, I mean, obviously, there's been a – I don't know that they specify what time, like how much time has passed. But obviously – a good chunk of time has passed. I was surprised that to find like very much like you're in the apocalypse now. Yeah. Because they didn't leave it that way. I mean, like they left it like, okay, this might start. And you, you kind of got the impression that, okay, maybe we're going to see things falling apart in the next movie. No, things have fallen apart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I liked not showing us, you know, I liked how they handled that through conversation and stuff like that. Just mentioning just how people do it, like went crazy, did did horrible stuff to other people, and all this. Like I don't know, I just thought it was very. You get this idea that it was like the purge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels a little bit like uh, you know, it's like Walking Dead without the zombies. It's just like you know they're mm. they moved into this area and they're trying to reclaim it, but uh, the you got the jerk characters on the human side and the the ape side. Uh, yeah, and. You know, it works, but man, they were like, both of them, as soon as they showed up, you're like, oh, that guy's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Koba. Oh, <laughs> had it up to here with that guy, man. <laughs> yep. Uh, not only is he going to, sh- not only is he going to shoot a man in the face, he's going to make him look stupid first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> when the movies first opened, I was a little worried because the cg and maybe it's a matter of like then i got used to the cg i was at first i was a little surprised at 
the CG didn't look great. I was like, oh, really? Like, I kind of figured they w- would have really went all out. And maybe I then just kind of, like, got used to it. Or the, the CG got better. But most of the movie, it looks great. And the... the I, you know, I wonder if maybe uh, the terrain had a lot to do with it. You know, like, in the first movie, it's so obvious because you're right up against, like, slick urban backgrounds and whatnot. But in this one... Like the tone of the movie, you think about the lighting, the mm-hmm. color, the color work and the lighting of the movie. The second movie is way uh, more subdued palettes. And I think that hides CGI a lot better. Like you think about like Lord of the Rings and that kind of thing. You can hide some some questionable CGI in a bleak, <laughs> you know, in a bleak setting a lot better than in a, like a well-lit uh, industrial like laboratory type setting yeah man that koba he's yeah, actually he's, like a pretty good bad guy just just you cannot like him no i mean like you can't but at the same time you see where he's coming from yeah you know? and so i mean like that's why he's such a good bad guy is because it's like yeah these humans are jerks but you're just kind of a jerk too koba mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> You sound like the jock equivalent of of, of an ape. <laughs> he's, an, he's an alpha. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. He's an alpha beta. He's a, he's an alpha beta ape. Yeah, I'm gonna go really obscure '80s reference. Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> That's the mashup I want to see. Revenge of the Nerds meets Planet of the Apes. <laughs> <laughs> Powers that be make that so. Yeah. <laughs> do 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 do. <laughs> Haven't you heard? <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, content. <laughs> <laughs> content. Um, yeah. <laughs> Melanie loves when we sing content. She just loves it. Speaking of, uh, she's not here this episode. She's busy taking care of business. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like I should jump into that song now. Uh, no, Taking she, care of business content. She, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this hole just gets deeper and oh, deeper. Oh yeah, uh, she should be back next episode. Depends, depends if she feels like it. But speaking of animals that speak, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. What could we possibly be talking about on this episode today? <laughs> did we ever, did, did we set up picking next month's pull list pick and then talk about Planet of the Apes or whatever? <laughs> the, the talk uh, about- we, did, we didn't announce next month. No, we just kind of talked about what the pull list is and just <laughs> dived right into Planet of the Apes. <laughs> okay, well, let's do that, I guess. <laughs> okay, so uh, we talked about how you can add things to the pull list. We talked about what the pull list is, but what is next month's pull list pick? Well, I'll tell you. It's Pride of Baghdad by Brian K. Vaughn. Blah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I I own it and I enjoyed it, uh, but it's not one that you jo- it's not one that you go back to a whole lot. And I don't know why because it's a it's a quick read. This is one that I'm totally unfamiliar with. I know nothing of this book other than what you said. Well, I mean, I, I suppose we should give people a little bit of a of a premise so that they <laughs> decide to come back for it. But it's a uh, it's I believe it's based on actual events a little bit okay um it takes place in in iraq obviously uh hence pride of baghdad and it basically uh after one of the uh bombings or the incursions uh basically th- one of the uh the zoos is is hit and so the animals escape and so it follows um the lions that escape from the zoo in this kind of war to- torn area and seeing how they react to the horrors of war. Speaking of I mean, animals, ho- ho- hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I'm not totally missing the mark on that uh, because it's been a while since I read it, but that's kind of what I remember from the last time I read it. Um, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. So speaking of animals <laughs> and a much lighter, <laughs> yeah, much lighter say, approach. So come back next month for that episode. I'm sure it'll be full of jokes. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what's not to love about that? War torn Baghdad. That's all right. We need we need some of that to sober up once in a while. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> I mean, uh, no. Well, <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> although, you know, you know, I haven't read it, so I don't know how heavy it is. But you know, we read Mouse and and a couple books like that. Well, there's not a lot of books like Mouse, but we read Mouse and some other more serious books. And, you know, it's always good to mix it up. Like, it can't always just be superheroes angrily punching each other in the face. It's it's good to branch out and read something that kind of, uh, even if it's not pleasant, that kind of, you know, whatever, tilts something. <laughs> tilts the scales. <laughs> it's uh, Okay, so I, I just pulled it off my shelf, and it's from the Vertigo uh, imprint from DC comics. Oh, interesting. And it, yeah, it is, uh, it does take place during, uh, during operation Iraqi freedom during the bombing. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. That'll be, yeah. that'll be a fun conversation. <laughs> 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 no, I am still interested. I'm still very curious about it. So, so yeah, that's what we'll be talking about. Uh, uh the second episode next month. Yes. This month, but this episode, yeah, this month, yeah, let's talk about get here. <laughs> we're going to talk about different talking animals that are not in Iraq. So, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is what we're talking about. Yeah, Cowabunga. Okay, <laughs> somebody had added to the list uh, TMNT, so it was kind of um, in that situation. We kind of it's like we figure, all right, well then we get a like just kind of pick whatever whatever we want to read it's something interesting um and jesse made the great suggestion of uh let's, well let's go back to the beginning well i mean we had a lot of options because what ninja turtles is over 30 years old or something like that now um and yeah so i have a trade paperback of uh basically the first three issues and uh, and then some. So I don't know what you read. Did you you basically just read the first three issues? Yeah, I just did the first three. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And mine is colorized. Was yours black and white, or did you get a colorized version? No, our uh, black and white. Black and white. Okay. So I didn't get colorized. Question on the colorized. All their masks were they red? They're all red. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, I knew the early turtles. Yeah, they all had red masks. I didn't know if uh, maybe they revamped it revamped it to right. include the kind multicolor of a kind of thing. Yeah. yeah no i don't know when the when the colors came in if that was uh strictly from uh the cartoon or if that was established earlier that's something we should look into maybe at some point because we have read some ninja turtle i think we've talked a little bit about um some of the idw ninja turtles uh, yeah, because I, I'm current on that, and I've read the entire run of that, and it's a lot of fun. And so I know I've brought it up on here when we've done, like, what are you reading? Mm -hmm. uh, recent read kind of kind of conversations. But I had never read, and I'm at the right age for the original animated series, so that was my Ninja Turtles and the live-action movies, the first two. That was my Ninja oh, yeah. Turtles for a long time, but I had never read these early comics, the original... Uh, Eastman, Eastman and Laird comics. So this is a first for me, and I wasn't really sure what to expect. I'm I'm interested. Uh, you know, like, you know, for the month of of July, we read the button. So we've read something super modern, uh -huh. super current on our last episode, and then we we read this, and I noticed that like the button, I had no problem reading four issues of really fast. And I, I know that part of that is that um, like DC Comics breaks things up because there's ads and it's just a quicker read. But this was kind of a independent thing. So there wasn't going to be as many uh, ads. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be a little different pacing too. you know, 30 year old comic here or 30 plus year old comic. Uh, and they have a decidedly different uh, flair. In the beginning. Oh, yeah. And basically, the only thing anybody ever tells you is that they're much darker, they're much grittier. And that's all anybody ever tells you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, I, it's not it's not unfair, but it's, you know, I mean, you just kind of have to read it. Yeah. And first off, each issue, I think, basically breaks down to almost 40 pages, 30, upper 30s, mm -hmm. almost 40 pages. 
Um, so you got a little bit longer issues. I was able to mainly because I had to I, before the episode, but or before we recorded today, but I was able to bust through them all fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And I found uh, before actually getting into what they are, I found the first issue a little tougher. Not that it was not that it was a bad read or tough to get through, but it, I don't know. It took a little bit longer and maybe it's because they were doing a lot of backstory stuff. And then I found I was able to go through issues two and three much faster. It's exactly like you said. Uh, everybody tells you it's much darker and all this. And it kind of starts off that way. Like the tone, tonally, it's 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 definitely darker, a bit more serious, at least these first three issues. What I was surprised about, though, coming at this after, you know, knowing the popular mainstream uh, kid-friendly Ninja Turtles, what I was surprised at is how accurate a lot of that stuff actually is to the source material like tonally it's different but the origin is pretty spot on pretty close at least how it's portrayed in what i remember from the animated series and also the first live action movie oh yeah also surprised to get shredder like number one like main villain (laughs) first issue and then the Mousers, I was like, the Mousers? Like, really? <laughs> I was surprised right. that, like, the the Hallmark uh, Ninja Turtle villains were there right at the beginning. And with the exception of April's job, yeah, like, it was all there. And I was actually kind of surprised at how close that later stuff was to the original comics. I expected it to be quite a bit more different. And other than the tone and kind of a little bit of the violence, like, it, it wasn't that far off. Right, right. Um, so when when you grew up, uh, like Splinter, was he a rat or was he Hamato Yoshi? I want to say he was a rat, and I can't remember. Maybe they handled it differently in the cartoons. But one thing I always thought was super goofy in the first live action movie was he was a rat and he was in his cage practicing the moves after watching his master, Hamato Yoshi. But that's how it is in the comic. In the first issue, I was like, wait. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's really how what it was. I always figured they kind of like goofied it up for the for the live action. It's like, no, the live action is being like kind of super accurate, uh, super accurate to the source material in that case. Yeah, yeah. They basically made a whole movie out of that first issue. Yeah, they it really is like, yeah, totally. I mean, they throw Casey Jones in there, a couple extra little things, but like even down to so the first issue is is their origin slash the whole shredder thing but even down to the rooftop showdown and shredder goes off the roof i was like wow that's that's the movie so yeah yeah and y- you assume that he's dead mm-hmm. in that first issue there was no attempted murder by casey jones which was always very odd in the movie but <laughs> <laughs> right right that one had much more of the like somewhat over the top monologuing like like you'd mentioned the batman slash the tick monologues where it's like (laughs) yeah we come from the dark was it i think i think yeah and raphael in particular like my name's raphael i do what my other brothers can't (laughs) (laughs) yeah which isn't out of character for rap at all no no but it's just like it's kind of crazy because you don't I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of give him that Batman slash Wolverine vibe, but but not so blatantly, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like this, this just seemed like blatantly Batman meets uh, Raphael. And then, uh, like, this is where you really, like, a lot of people don't know that there's that whole Daredevil connection. Mm-hmm. Like, that just seems like an urban legend thing. But, like, when you read through the original uh, first issue, you see it. I mean, there's a kid that literally uh, jumps in to save a blind guy and then gets hit in the eyes with with the radioactive ooze. But what people didn't see is that that radioactive ooze then hits the turtles. Yeah. And then they fall into the sewers. And, and Splinter just happens to be there to save them. <laughs> Here's my question. Who walks around with a glass, like, uh, goldfish jar (laughs) with four turtles in it and stands above a open manhole? (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Right, right, yeah. Like, I I guess you just bought those turtles? Man, like, that kid should be really freaking out. I mean, I guess that's better than the turtles belonging to April O'Neil somehow when she was a kid and her not connecting it till 
most way through the movie, but whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely get a sense of Raph, who who Raphael is, and he's spot on. You get kind of hints at some of the other characters. You don't necessarily get the like uh super over the top uh Michelangelo, but you get hints at like, you know, which one's kind of the techie? Was it uh Donnie Don- Donatello? Yeah, Donatello. Yeah. And you really don't get that until the until the second and third issues. Oh, either. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, like that first issue, they're really just ninjas. <laughs> they did say radical though. When they started oh, saying yeah, words, yeah. one of them was like Star Trek, and somebody said radical, and I was like, "It's there, it's there." Yeah, you kind of. I mean, like that's a thing that I re- that I didn't really get from uh, later incarnations of the turtles, but is is pretty clear here is is just how much parody is actually woven into this. Like uh, Eastman and Laird, I think they were just having fun because they like. They had like, what was it? Stupid Wars <laughs> it was one of the comic books in the second issue that's just laying around. Oh, and it's in the Star Wars font or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. It wasn't even Star Wars. It was uh, Secret Wars. It was more. They were poking fun at Secret Wars because they had uh, Iron Man on the cover. But then they also have like Cerebrus right there. And then they have like you can look at their uh, bookcase and see all these different books that they have on their uh on their bookshelf. And uh, I, I don't know who it is. Maybe it's Leo is reading. Yeah. Leo is reading Dune. Who knew he was a sci-fi guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like Eastman's uh, attention to detail. He's you, you look at the art and you kind of think, okay, well it's, it's rougher. It's rougher than we're used to, but it's also super detailed. Like it's hyper detailed and there's a lot of hatching and his uh, perspective is, really intense and he uh he does some pretty cool things with action that third issue has some almost mind-blowing pages with just detail uh where the essentially the where the issue i I think it was the third one which basically a chase scene through most of it some of that stuff was incredible um i i mean i guess we can get to it when we get to the third issue but yeah the art's interesting because it's it's weird to see the turtles look, I mean, they look like the Ninja Turtles, but like sometimes their necks are long and that's a little strange to me, but also like the cartoon was obviously like, let's friendly up their face because they do yeah. look intense. They, they have intense oh, faces my. all the time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These are not cuddly turtles. These are not like, Hey, I want a plushie of that. Yeah. I'm going to sleep with him. But yeah, it looked good. And I think, I think that, I think the the art and the storytelling just in general for me got better from issue to issue. By the end of issue 3 I was like, "Whoa, man. Where's issue 4?" Also, and I know it was this way and it's, if you have a character with swords or knives like yeah, they would use it to stab people, but I was it's also oh, yeah. very shocking to see them like Put a sword through Shredder, stuff like that. Yeah. Does Leo got to impale a fool? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, whoa. <laughs> was it the first issue where the two are wrestling in the, like, uh, sparring and No, that's up? the, that's basically the first, uh, first two pages of, uh, it's like a splash page. That's how the second issue Issue opens two. Up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the first issue. It, they don't feel out of place, but it definitely feels like slightly rougher in, in some respects. Um, mm-hmm. And then by issue two, like, it feels like they're just going, like, they they know, like, what they're doing. Not to say that they didn't in the first issue, but. Well, it's like the first issue is kind of like its own little self-contained mm-hmm. one-off, one-shot story. And then they must have hit some success with it. Like, they may maybe didn't even think they were going to go any further with it. I don't know. I want to say they, yeah, I read they, um, to get the first issue printed, they borrowed money from one of, one of their uncles or something like that. So, like. Yeah, it was very much like a, you know, kind of a chance. Like, hey, we want to do this thing and let's borrow some money and get them printed and this and that. And and then it was very popular. So, yeah. And then uh, it's so popular now that in May of 2012, the original drawing of the Turtles sold for $71,000. $71,000. Oh, man. I guess a little bit the villain felt this way and uh, Shredder felt this way in the first issue. but. So then issue two, we get Baxter and the Mousers. Mm-hmm. Baxter cracked me up because he's kind of a ridiculous villain. 
Because at one point, because he, he <laughs> yeah. tells April, who in this case was his like assistant in some type of computer um, programmer, tells her his plan after he's worked out this deal with the city to like, he's made these mousers to go through and get rid of the rodent problem in the sewers, uh, you know, whatever, this is New York. He tells her the plan and, and she's like, why, why would you do that? You can make, you, you know, you, if you want to get rich, you could make that kind of money doing it legally selling these things to the city. And, and he's like, but I want to have fun <laughs> or something like that. Like he, this whole like, yeah, yeah. evil plan for like destroying a bunch of buildings and, and, uh, ransoming the city was just because that sounded more fun. He just wanted to be a bad guy. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and I was surprised. I mean, I guess partly because, you know, issue one was supposed to be just kind of a one-off, but it's like, it's crazy to see that, uh, basically the turtles had a harder time dealing with Baxter Stockman, who isn't even a mutant at this point. No. <laughs> Than than the shredder, like they just went in, did their business with shredder, and boom, done. But like Baxter Stockman, that dude's crafty. <laughs> I was, <laughs> oh, that's another thing. Touching back on the first issue, I was gonna say like, and maybe it's because I know, you know, the shredder is like a major uh, turtles villain. I was surprised it was kind of anticlimactic because they set up the whole origin and all this, and they send the message with the sigh through the window and. And then they meet on the roof and like, yeah, they get beat up a bit by some of the foot, but they kind of defeated him fairly easily. Yeah. 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 But of course there were four of them. So they, they did cut him up pretty good. I mean, like they they were looking rough at the end of that one issue, but yeah. It's obviously vague enough to where all they found was like a scrap of metal off of his, his suit. So like, you know, I'm sure he's, he'll pop up again someday, but back to, to Baxter. Um, it got me thinking about the fact that I don't think any of the movies have used the Mousers, and I'm really surprised by that. Yeah, no. I mean, Baxter showed up in the most recent uh, live-action movie, and it's kind of similar. You know, like, he's kind of a big deal. But, it, like, in subsequent things, like, Baxter has always been kind of like a, a flunky for Shredder. Or just just somebody that's been forced into servitude kind of thing. Sure, yeah. And, uh in this, he's just totally on his own. He's just totally <laughs> going to use these things to rob banks and fund his own little army of things that will <laughs> do nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he, once he enacts, well, he begins enacting his, his evil plan. He tries to do away with April, kind of, I guess. Well, he sent some mousers after her, so I guess he assumed they would take care of it. But I was like... Just throwing her in the sewers with plenty of places to go doesn't seem like a good way to do away with somebody, but whatever. I mean, did he, was he like ever hoping she would just go along with the plan or <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure out what, what his uh, thought process was. Like, it seems like he kind of thought she was just going to be okay with it at first, but then he's like, well, all right, you're not okay with it. I'm going to have to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Because he so casually just told her the plan. Like, oh yeah, no, this is what we're doing. And, but he, yeah, he also didn't really seem upset when she didn't like uh, appreciate this plan. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come now, April. Why would the mousers dig holes into bank vaults? You helped program them. Remember? (laughs) It's like, like he, first he tries, like, it's, it's like, it's so obvious. Like she just figures it out. Like without even a good amount of evidence just like hey our mousers could create tunnels like that <laughs> and then he's like oh come now april ha <laughs> ha whatever and then he's like all right i have something to show you it's an army <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> it's a little cheesy in that respect because it really does play out just like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not even kidding <laughs> yeah no that's exactly how it plays out but you know it's fun but they kind of so they kind of have their little showdown with the mousers and they they kind of win um but then they get back to uh they get back to their hideout and uh splinter's not there anymore so like that's the end of the second issue is this whole reveal that Splinter's missing and the Mousers were kind of developed so that uh you could take control of the of the rap the rodent problem. Mm-hmm. Then that last issue is is it, we we get a little bit 
even you know, like we get a little bit more character development as time goes on, mm-hmm. but that's where you kind of really get that feeling of, yeah, Raph has always been kind of the outsider that will do what the other brothers won't do. But in this one, we get more of that hot headed. I'm going to just go off and try to find master splinter on my own, regardless of what Leonardo wants the plan to be. This third issue Man, I love this third issue. Like the other issues were okay. I was surprised that it, the second, coming after the first issue, that the second one was just like, nope, this is just ongoing story now. Like I was expecting another one shot type issue. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it leads right into the third issue. And, uh, a lot of this is, a lot of it's this car chase, this crazy car chase. Yeah, yeah. In what would eventually become a turtle van? I guess it's just April's van. Yeah, April's VW, uh, yeah, old school VW bus van little thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was another thing. I was like, man, it's totally the turtle van already, too. It, I mean, the reason for the police chase for the chase is pretty flimsy. Some other <laughs> yeah, people yeah, in the, an identical van apparently robbed a bank or something. And so when they're <laughs> driving by, because their house is wrecked up, they can't find Splinter. They call April to, it seems like, you know, she give them her numbers like, well, call me anytime. And then it seemed like an hour later, they call her. It's like, hey, can we <laughs> yeah, live with yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need a pl- Splinter. Oh. So the cops are trying to pull them over, pull, pull them over in the van. Obviously, they're like, well, we can't do that. We're giant turtles. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so they go on this insane police chase through a park and there were several things where I'm like, wow, they like they caused that accident. They caused that cop car to crash into that car. They almost ran over many people. But then eventually they like even comment on it and like, well, most of them, it doesn't look like anybody was seriously injured. And they're like, yeah, but we need to. This is dangerous. We need to, you know, so they, they kind of did the good guy of thing of like. This is irresponsible. What, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They made a uh, cop car crash through the uh, storefront of a paint store, and that's the that's the one of the pages where, like, you can tell he just like he just took went some overboard with oh, some crazy, every, crazy detail on that. Every like, shard what? of glass, just a million shards of glass, just super detailed. Like it looks great. And, and super wanna... superimposed over top of like onomatopoeia of the crash, uh-huh. and like whoa, yeah, that's far more detailed than you'd probably see in typical comics today. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Oh, there was another shot, and I can't remember if it was during the chase, before or after, where it's a city shot. I think it was just after. There's a couple where like he really draws the city, and maybe it's you know, like I said, I read the black and white version, and maybe it's just like lack of color or whatever but like it just looks filthy like the city looks filthy and there's so much detail and um yeah it looked- I, i'm thinking it might be like right after right after they capture the actual bank robbers uh april basically pulls up in front of uh her place or whatever yeah no yeah and it yeah, is yeah there's like vagrant there's like a a guy on a motorcycle yep, and then there's the like the drugstore and then there's like a bar and then there's like Live girls, triple X. Yeah. Yeah. It looks crazy. It almost, the style almost reminds me of some of the, uh, like seventies indie comic art or something. Kind of curious how that looks in black and white, because it's a little too bright for my, for my taste. Oh, really? And in the colorized version, it still looks really good. Um, and it's like watercolor style, which would be the best way to color, to colorize this stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like there's a lot of yellows in it, you know? So, I mean, I wonder how black and white probably helps to make it look the way it does. Oh, yeah. I have to look at the details a little bit more to see like, oh yeah, there's garbage all over the ground. There's garbage can tipped to its side. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just looks like a filthy city, but it's super detailed. Yeah. I was really appreciating the art come this issue. Then after that, what is it? They crash at April's place. And uh, then I think we go to Splinter, right? Who's like kind of coming to, and we get a little flashback. To See, that's fight. that's where that's where mine ends. Is right there oh. where she she basically offers she offers them a beer, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'll totally take a beer." And then uh, they fall asleep, and that's the end of that issue. Oh, interesting. Okay, well that kind of makes sense because from that point on, 
you kind of get a setup for the next issue, which blew my mind because it's, it's, so it's Splinter, um, all beat up. You get a flashback to his fight with the Mousers. You know, he, he beat him up, but like he got some wounds and he was losing blood. And then he's found by people who speak. Their word balloons are square and their, the word, um, the font is very kind of computerized. So I was like, what's up with these guys? And yeah. they, they take him, they gather him because they're like, Oh, fascinating. Look at him. He's, you know, disproportionately large. And then he says like, they're going to shoot him or something. They're just going to blow him away. And then he's like, don't kill me. And he's like, Oh, they talk. He talked, blah, blah, blah. So they, t- they scoop him up and they take him to this, um, lab hospital type thing where he wakes up and initially thinks he's been caught, you know, whatever they find. Oh, they finally found me. They finally caught me, whatever people. So he goes to escape. And as he's about to, uh, bolt past a doorway and and get out of the building he turns to look through the doorway and it's it's i can't remember the names but it's basically three dudes are sitting at a table their chests are like open and the brain looking what is what is their name brain alien the aliens that look like brains that ride around in like oh the utrams yeah krang yeah there were three of them sitting at this table and he's like oh and that's the end of the issue oh dang so I was like, oh, what? What? I want to read that now. Yeah, yeah. But it makes sense that they might cut that off in the collected edition because, or in that collected edition you have, because that kind of sets up for another issue that probably isn't there. Right, right. Yeah, no, in this one, I get two more uh, little one-off stories that uh, Eastman penned. And uh, one of them was interesting because it's basically just a throwdown with some local thugs. Uh, but there's this whole interchange where they're like, uh, we did the right thing. Right. I mean, not killing them and all. And they were like, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like still kind of in that whole, you know, how extreme these Ninja Turtles are. In one of these issues they fought, it seemed like just some random like thugs or something. And it wasn't explicit. Like they killed them, but it kind of seemed like they probably murdered some of these guys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that might have been like early on in that first issue. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, it's yeah. Like at the very beginning, uh-huh. yeah, before they're ever after Splinter, or the, before they ever go on Splinter's final mission, which is to take down the Shredder. The second issue where they're talking about, well, you know, they give April their backstory, and she's like, "Well, what are you guys gonna do now?" And they're like, oh. "I was like, it hadn't really occurred to me." I was like, "Oh, the turtles are." superheroes aren't they they're totally like i mean oh yeah yeah i hadn't really thought of them as superheroes i was just like well they're just ninja turtles they do ninja turtle things they're good guys but i mean yeah they just kind of hang around till there's like a villain scenario and then they're like oh we gotta stop this guy (laughs) yeah they're waiting for the bat signal yeah and they'll answer it or will they in this case the bat (laughs) signal is uh splinter gets kidnapped (laughs) yeah yeah or will they? Yeah. <laughs> or, or will they? That's a callback to last episode. Yep. But yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I wasn't sure exactly what to expect. I definitely didn't expect it to be so close to what I, you know, the inferior uh, child-friendly version that I was familiar with. I didn't expect that stuff to be so close to the original source material. Obviously, the tone was different, but yeah, it looked good, too. I I did enjoy the art. So I was looking up uh, when when the colored masks came in, and apparently it all happened when uh, they basically went into merchandising, and uh, because the obviously this original comic was not really intended for super young children, um, so it's when they struck up their deal with Playmates. Uh, Playmates was going to make you know toys of the Ninja Turtles, and then they kicked off the idea of the, of the uh, television show, the cartoon, uh-huh. and. Uh, so they had to basically change change the image so that it could pass television sensors. And so that's when they kind of that's when they introduced things like uh them being joke like joking all the time and being obsessed with pizza. Sure, um, sure. You know, and then the that's where the different colored masks came in and where they came in with uh, easily marketable catchphrases like turtle power and cowabunga and all that. And uh, like, apparently that didn't go over super well with the original creators. And uh, 
even even to this day uh like uh Kevin Eastman is still pretty heavily tied to the franchise but uh Laird has kind of distanced himself from the whole thing um uh, and even in uh, 2012 basically said you know if he had uh if he had his way person just personally his way they would still be very different that that first animated series wouldn't be wouldn't have become what it was Sure, sure. He said, uh, among other things, they would likely have been no moronic henchmen like Bebop and Rocksteady, which is interesting because, like, unfortunately, uh, I really like I really like uh, Bebop and Rocksteady, even though they are morons. Like, I could see where I can definitely see where he's coming from. But Bebop and Rocksteady are all right. I guess it just depends uh, you write them. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Well, and, you know, I mean. To be fair, like they're they're pretty, they're pretty uh, two dimensional character. But e- even in the new movie where they're three dimensional. But you know what? If you write a villain like Baxter the way he is in issue two, the typically moronic henchmen are not far behind. Like that's not <laughs> right. a stretch. No, Baxter has no. No reason or no motivation <laughs> other than he wants to be a bad guy. He, it sounds fun to be a terrorist. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we didn't even touch on that. Uh, he, yeah, he, yeah, he threatens to. He's literally, he's literally a terrorist. He like hacks the TV system or something, but he sends out this ominous message of like, you know, I've got these. I'm gonna start taking down buildings if you don't pay me this much, whatever, blah blah blah. And he threatens to. He threatens to. Uh, bring down one of the World Trade Center buildings, and I was like, "Whoa, it's so weird to read that in like post nine eleven world." Um, but then the yeah. news even refers to him as a terrorist after that, and it's like, "Well, yeah, I mean that's totally what he is at that point." Except I think terrorists usually have a more political um, what is it goal, and he doesn't have any goal. He he no. He wanted the money, but he even he even said he's like, well, it doesn't matter. The money doesn't matter. I just want to. It sounds fun to destroy this stuff. So uh, that would have been 1985 when they completed issue two. So that's when they would have been making. I mean, like they they were so ahead of their time in terms of what terrorism would become. Yeah, it's just crazy that they they called it. I'm sure without ever thinking it would ever happen. But it makes me wonder, like, as a creator what impact i mean like what does that make you think when it's like oh i was just like coming up with storylines and then 9-11 happens and then eventually you see that stuff happen yeah when art like life imitates art like what yeah it's got to be weird it's got to be kind of a head trip and you know i guess i get it like because they were very standout features in the new york skyline but it's still wow it's so weird to read well i mean they're they're so standout that like they were a major part of that whole um king kong movie from what was it the late late 70s or early 80s i mean like they were the big they were the big iconic thing so i mean i can see like it's it's kind of like threatening to take down the empire state building you know, it's just like, oh, it's a m- m- remarkable uh, landmark yeah. kind of thing. And it's tied to economics. So that makes it even more appetizing for a villain to go after. I'm, I'm glad we got back to that. But, but you know, I guess terrorist ambitions aside, I could see this guy employing some moronic henchmen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he seems like the guy that would accidentally turn himself into a fly. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why. I get that feeling about him. But, I mean, it just feels like he would do harmful experiments on himself. Yeah, just because it, <laughs> it sounds fun. It sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> oh man. I, I, yeah. I wonder if that. Uh, you know, like I. Don't, I haven't gone too far down uh, the original run, but like having read this now, I really kind of want to. Like I want to see how how bizarre the original run went. Yeah, because I uh, I kind of I dipped into I've dipped into a lot of the different iterations, but I I haven't gone too far down with the original just because it's like okay you read the original because you want to know where it all came from, um, but you you get as far as you have access to mm-hmm. where where at the time when when they were popular. Um, 
Archie Comics actually had Eastman and Laird's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So uh, they already they were already wearing like, you know, the class the the now classic uh red, purple, blue and orange masks. And so you like that's that's some of the comics that I came up with even though I had a few of the uh Mirage Studio stuff. I like the uh, the first issue didn't really have it. And I guess this is not I mean this is nothing surprising to me about turtles, but I like the sci-fi angle mm-hmm. because they definitely had it in, with this last, with the second issue, and then how the third issue ended. Uh, in my copy, I was yeah, I was like, oh man, I want to yeah, I want to read that. I would definitely read more. So looking looking at like uh, what the Ninja Turtles have become, how uh, how far have you gotten into like? the whole the the whole expanse of it like obviously uh you watch some of the animated series way back in the day you watch the live action movies you said the first two i've seen the first three. Oh, you uh, have seen the, the third the, i've seen you, the original you weren't you weren't claiming that one at first <laughs> well i said i liked the first two i remember oh, okay, being very disappointed with turtles in time and i think i only ever watched it once when i rented it when i was a kid but the first two i think i seen them both in the theater when they came out Oh yeah, and those were well. I mean, what the first one came in nineteen came out in nineteen ninety. I was eight, so a uh, prime prime age, man. I love that. Oh sure, for sure. Even the second one, which I probably doesn't hold up quite as well, but no, but I mean, it's still fun. Yeah. You Kino, <laughs> you have some legit martial artists in there. That's pretty fun. Um, Ernie Reyes uh, Jr. is in that second one, and I think he did some of the stunt work in the first one. Have you seen uh, they they did TMNT, which was kind of a return to animation a little bit, but it was a it was an animated feature. Did you see any of that? Okay, yeah, I saw the. Wait, was it the, like the CG one or uh, slightly CG? Yeah, it was more computer generated. Okay, I I did see that, and then I've seen the first of the more modern live action ones. Okay, um, the well. the newest one is now out on a lot of things. I think it might even be on. It's either on Hulu or it's on uh, Netflix. It's it's definitely on Prime because that's what I watched it on. And you can, if you have Prime, you can see it on there without commercials, which is nice. But I think they also have it on Hulu right now. And uh, I I just recently watched it because it's available. It's on it's on these streaming services, and it's yeah, it's what everybody said. It's about as uh, you know, it's better than the first one, but only slightly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I didn't hate the first one as much as I expected to. I put it off for a long time and then it was on, I don't know, maybe it was on Netflix or something. And I was like, eh, let's, let's give it a try. But it's, it's not good. I mean, no, no, it's not. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't know why I didn't hate it. I really should. <laughs> Everything about it kind of irritates me, but, uh, you know, whatever. There's some entertainment, I guess. Sure. Yeah, Shredder sucked and April sucked and the turtles look weird. <laughs> and I What's hate- his name? Uh, they actually made Vern interesting. <laughs> Which one is The Vern? cameraman. What's his name? Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, he's on Will- Arrested Development. Uh, what's Will- his name? Will Arnett? Yeah, Will Arnett. Arnett. He yeah. was fun. <laughs> yeah, Lego Batman. He was fun. <laughs> I haven't watched all of Lego Batman. I think I watched. Oh, half of- you got to You you got to watch Lego Batman. I watched. Well, I mean, a like quarter could- to half of it one day when I was homesick from work a while back. But I don't, oh yeah, I think that's it. I don't think I finished it. Oh, but that's yeah. And then you know the original animated series. But that's about it. I think I might have caught a little bit of one of the random more modern animated series. But I'm pretty sure they're three or four deep on those now. So sure. Uh, so I mean, like. Having read this one that I would recommend um, in that 2000s uh, animated series, they did a animated feature called uh, Turtles Forever, which is super fun. It basically takes uh, the multiverse idea and applies it to the Ninja Turtles. And so basically what happens is uh, the turtles from the, uh, the 80s cartoon series pop up in the 2000s cartoon series 
and they're just super cheesy. They're super ridiculously cheesy, and it plays off all the tropes of that. And so they come in there trying to save the day. And of course, Michelangelo from the more modern series loves them. And it's like, dude, they've got like, they've got their name. They've got the letters of their names on their belt, like a superhero. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just like, oh my God, I love these guys, you know? And like, uh, Rob Paulson's, uh, Raphael is constantly breaking the third of the fourth wall and looking at the camera and making a bad pun. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and then they like they have to follow those turtles back to their universe, and so the first thing that they have to do every day is rescue April. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, what it boils down to is like, um, I think it was the Shredder, the Shredder from different universes. Uh, they they tried to collude. They try to like create a plot that will take down the turtles. So they go back to what was the, the prime universe. So they go back, they go way back to the original Ninja turtles and they're like, what is wrong with you guys? You guys are a bunch of jokers. That's pretty great. And it's, it's pretty awesome. So I'll I have mean, to search like, that if, out. You, if you can uh, track that down, I mean like it's not perfect, but it, it's pretty fun and it, it pulls on a lot of the Ninja turtle tropes from throughout their history. And at the end, they even do like a, they do like an homage back to uh, Eastman and Laird, where you see the original like Ninja Turtle artwork there on his drawing board. Oh, that, thing. that's cool. So, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a nice little thing. So I'd I'd recommend that to you and our listeners uh, if you're interested, and if you've read the original Ninja Turtles and you like a kind of fun homage, then uh, that's what this was: Turtles Forever. Turtles forever. Yeah. Letters page. We have no letters. This is Randy from in the future. And I have a very important message for you. The Grolix podcast is missing something. And that something is you. Join our letters page segment. If you have thoughts on what we're reading, what we just read, what we're about to read, what you're reading, or you just want to say hi, send us an email to letters at grolixpodcast.com. And we'll read and discuss your letter on the show. What What the devil? What are you doing here? Hey folks, this is Randy from Further in the Future. And what my former self neglected to mention is we also have a Google Voice line. You can call it, leave a message, and we will play that message on the next episode of the Grolix Podcast. Try to keep it under two minutes. Whatever you want to talk to us about, talk to us about it. Ideally, something related to the show. Dial 559-426-6427, or if this helps you remember, 559-4-COMICS. Type that into your phone, you'll be connected to our voicemail, leave us a message, and we will play it on the show. What? This is getting ridiculous. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. This is Randy from even further in the future. And what these two knuckleheads neglected to mention is if you'd rather send us an MP3 recording of yourself to play on the show, you can hit that email. Again, that's letters at growlixpodcast.com with an MP3 attachment, and we'll play it during the show. Just try to keep your language clean and keep it under two minutes. Also, hey, Bonehead, did you just shoot our younger self? Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's cool. Shouldn't we be doing the Marty McFly disappear from the picture act right now? No, it's fine. He he was a time remnant. Oh, a time That doesn't make sense. That do- A time remnant doesn't make sense. At some point, older Randy has to travel back to talk to younger Randy. But if older Randy kills younger Randy, younger Randy never gets to become older Randy and travel back in time. It's time travel, not cloning. We're not cloning and sending ourselves back. We're just time traveling. You don't know that. We could be operating on primer rules. In that case... <laughs> There can only be one. Next episode, we talk about Doctor Who. Since this last season just finished, you know, except for the Christmas special, we'll have lots to talk about. And with the recent announcement of this 13th Doctor, I'm sure there will be a lot to talk about there. Uh, We'll also talk about some other, uh, you know, Game of Thrones is starting up. Preacher is going strong. Twin Peaks, for all the comic book nerds out there into Twin Peaks. Yeah, TV episode. TV talk. This has been Randy. This is great. First it was the farm that time forgot, and now this. Why don't I ever fall in with people who own condos? Probably hard to get good maid service in the sewer. Maybe you guys should try Grolix, huh? And this has been Jesse. 
Yes, friends, the new Turbo Ginsu. Wahoo! It slices, it dices, and it makes French fries in three different Grolics. Thank you for listening to the Grolix Podcast. The Grolix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vorpal Arrow Studios. For more Grolix Podcasts, check out GrolixPodcast.com. Also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, ElectronicMediaCollective.com, Facebook.com slash Grolix Podcast, Twitter.com slash Grolix Podcast, all the dot com slash all the Grolix Podcast. Oh my god. <laughs> What's that? Um, okay, okay. I'm looking at Ninja Turtles uh movie quotes. Uh-huh. And and uh there's the quote between Donatello and Casey Jones. Yeah. He's like, You're was- claustrophobic. And he's like, You want a fist in the mouth? I never even looked at another guy before. Uh-oh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that ages awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, like you think about like Bill and Ted's, they would they would do that whole homophobic thing too. Uh huh. It's like wow, even in Ninja Turtles, they did.